This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. The Blood Red podcast, courtesy of the Liverpool Echo. I'm Guy Clark. Welcome along. Honours even as the hunt for honours heats up in the meeting between the big two. We'll discuss, dissect and debate all of the fallout from the Etihad before turning our attentions to the Champions League ahead of the visit of Benfica. Plus, we'll bring you our team selector and match predictions too. To get into the heavyweight showdown then, we have our own stellar lineup: uh, Liverpool correspondent, home and away, tall Paul Gorst, social sensation, Kai Delaney, and our resident red, Dan K. Gents, I trust you're all well. And, uh, well, Gorsty, I take it that was a point gained in the end after what we saw in the first half of the Etihad. Yeah, I think it was always going to be a point gained, really. Going to the Etihad and winning is something that not many teams do, do they? I think Crystal Palace have done it this season and can't really think too many other games in the last few seasons where City have, have been beaten at the Etihad. So, <clears throat> yeah, I think um, I think, I think think most people would have taken a point before kick-off and obviously it means that it's kind of out of Liverpool's hands now, but just to kind of keep it rolling on for the final seven games... Um, is enough at this point, I think, given the fact that Liverpool were 11 points, 12 points, 13, 14 behind at various points uh, as recently as January. And uh, I've seen a few people saying today, um, oh, but I can't see City dropping points now. And to be fair, when can you see them dropping points? You know, you certainly don't see them dropping points to Crystal Palace, home or away, Southampton, maybe Tottenham, you can make a case for that one. But generally, everyone City plays, you, you think they're going to win. So, um, he could slip up against any one of the, the next seven games. I don't expect them to fall away drastically, but <clears throat> all it takes is one little draw for Liverpool to to fully capitalise, and then it's it's back in back in their hands, isn't it? So, just to kind of be at this point, at this stage of the season, is enough, I'd suggest. Uh, but it was a thrilling game, wasn't it? Pulsating, uh, absorbing, end to end at times. Liverpool really rattled in the first half, kind of thrown out of the stride. Um, so, you know, Liverpool's so composed and sure in possession aren't they normally and City um, completely kicked them out of the stride and you don't really see Liverpool so flustered as they were. I, I was like, you know, say it'd be like Van Dijk in possession or Alisson would have hold of it. I'd be looking down at the Etihad tweeting about something that's just happened and I'd look up and City would have the, the ball 30 yards from goal. It just seemed to be very unlike Liverpool, um, very uncharacteristic. But uh, dug in, showed the resilience that they're kind of famous for. Came out in the second half, got themselves back into the game, and had a really good spell. But City were always going to find, you know, a, an extra gear at home, weren't they? But all in all, I think um, the two teams showed why they're the two best in the world at the moment, and crucially, the title race is still alive. Yeah, most definitely. Kai, that was the thing for me watching first half in particular was at times how rattled Liverpool looked, certainly defensively. Virgil van Dijk, I can't kind of remember him kind of being in a fluster in that regard. But as Gorsi said, they kind of dug in and, and second half, I suppose easy to, to say in hindsight, but how poor they'd been in the first half. They surely weren't going to come out second half and, and serve up more of the same. Yeah, that's that's the only good thing, isn't it? When you put in a performance as as flustered and as as poor 
as that from a Liverpool perspective, you know, we know the standards they can reach. And when you, when you see them play like that in the first half, it's only going to go one way. So I think to, to go in, you know, still very much in the game um, at halftime, as halftime came at a very good time for Liverpool uh, and, and Klopp would have been, you know, we've, we've heard the, the interviews from Trent and Jordan Henderson after the game saying about the messages that Klopp was getting over to them at halftime. And I think, he would have been um, he would have been praying for that whistle to to get his players in and you know regroup and, and go again for the second half and it absolutely did that you know coming out and scoring a goal within one minute of the restart um, couldn't have gone any better for for Liverpool to to really get a foothold on that second half and arguably uh, the better team in in the second half certainly had had chances to win it I know City did as well but a lot a lot has been made of Liverpool's high line and uh, the the chances that. City were, were able to get from that. You know, Guardiola's come out after the game and said that he actually took a bit of inspiration from from Klopp and Liverpool in the way that they played. It's very rare you see City go so direct. And you know, I think that the team he picked with Sterling and Jesus, he was it was a real plan to expose Liverpool's high line, get runners in behind, and you know, maybe two or three years ago without VAR, that Sterling goal would have counted and and City win the game. Um, all in all, you know, the, the way the the first half played out, the, the performance from Liverpool City well on top, that Mares chance at the end, the fact that it was away and it's still only one point, um, it's, it's definitely the a better point for Liverpool in, in that regard. It keeps the, the title race still alive. If City win that four points, I think you, you need them to slip up in two games of the remaining seven, which is a big ask. But just one point now, they, they only need a draw. If Liverpool can win seven from seven, then it's, it's absolutely... You know, game on. So, all in all, I think a good point for Liverpool. Yeah, definitely. We've always been huge advocates of VAR here on the Bloodworth channel. So, uh, yeah, definitely that came to the fore. Dan, you were in the away end that was serenading Jurgen Klopp at the end of the game in particular. But going right back to, to the start of the game, far from ideal going behind inside five minutes. But give Liverpool their credits, I suppose, the first side this season to take something off City when, when they've opened the scoring in the game. That's right. It's kind of what more than a dozen matches, I think, maybe close to 20 matches when they've taken the lead. And obviously, <clears throat> they're so good at managing games, so good at kind of beating teams into submission. I think a lot of it, a lot through a large part of this season, almost by reputation alone. And um, I think we all feared the worst when, you know, City came flying out the traps. Alisson had to make it, you know, a good save from Sterling early on. And then they got the break through De Bruyne with, you know, second deflected goal he's got against Liverpool. This season, and even though we got ourselves back level relatively quickly, as you know, Gorsi alluded to in, in his you know first answer there, the the Liverpool just seemed rattled in the first half. I, I don't know exactly what was the problem because this is a team that's played a lot of big a lot of big football matches, not just this season, but over the last four or five years. And generally, they've been to all the big, pretty much every big cathedral in European football, withstood the pressure, withstood the intensity. And come through it. Now, you, you know, arguably they haven't played a team as good as Man City in, in any of these other, you know, I think it, it, no one would dispute the fact that these are probably the best two teams in the world at the moment. So I think it was absolutely crucial to get in at 2-1. I think City went back in front, didn't they, maybe seven to ten minutes before the break. And we were all looking at each other going, we've got to get in at 2-1. If it goes to 3-1, you know, it, it's potentially a long, long road back. Um, but I think, you know, what we saw after the interval, I think shows the the depth of character that you know that has been honed within this team within this squad for obviously a number of years now 
Um, and he, you know, obviously got himself back into the game with a magnificent equalising goal within a minute of the second start of the second half, and then had that kind of 10-15 minute spell where you felt for the first time we were actually really on top and really taking the game to City. And if that was the moment when Liverpool could have got the noses in front, that was probably it. And then when that didn't happen, you know, I think a lesser Liverpool team or even a Liverpool team of a year or two ago, as City re, you know, began to reassert their authority, um, it took, I think, a fair degree of uh, mental toughness and, and tactical uh, nous, really, to appreciate that, you know, against the team of City's quality, you have to accept the fact they are going to have a lot of the ball. And the way we play, the way they play, as, as Guy was saying, it was, it, sorry, as Kai was saying, it's a very obvious tactic that they have, these balls in behind the channels. It's calculated risk, what Liverpool do. By pushing the fullbacks on so high, you, you have to accept the fact that other teams are going to get in against you at times. And you know, that applies to much, far, far less effective football teams than Man City. So for me, one of the most encouraging, thing was, encouraging things was, though, even after the game kind of levelled out in the second half and it became quite an even game with maybe City slightly edging it, slightly having the better chances, you always felt Liverpool could score another goal. And obviously at that stage, it's 2-2, potentially a winning goal. And I think... Having that threat right from the start, because I'm, I'm pretty sure the Jota goal was, was our first meaningful attack. Even if, yeah, I think you have to say City had the better chances, Liverpool always looked capable of scoring. And just having that little seed of doubt in City's mind, I think possibly just maybe stop them going full throttle and, and really going out for the win. So they might argue that a point for them is is is, is a better point because it keeps them a point in clear. Obviously, they are... They remain in control of their own destiny as regards to the title. But I think, given the way the match went, um, I think we can. We, I, I, from my point of view, it's a better point for Liverpool. And if I was a City fan, I would be slightly concerned that an opportunity was maybe missed yesterday to kill Liverpool off, particularly in that first half when we were at times all over the show. And even late in the second half when they were pushing and looking likely for a winner, they could have. As Kai said, four points for seven games ago probably would kick us out the title race. They weren't able to do that, and hopefully that might just come back to haunt them. Yeah, Pep Guardiola kind of said as much in his, his post-match press conference, of course, to you how it was maybe a chance to, to, to kill <clears> off Liverpool that wasn't quite taken. I mean, we knew there was a ton of respect between Jurgen Klopp and Pep Guardiola. Prior to this game, both have reiterated that in the build-up to it. And I suppose we've, we've seen that great rivalry play out with actually real respect, mutual respect between the two and how they how they set it out. But what's the biggest compliment compliment paid by Guardiola to Liverpool Gorsi in the way he set his team up, as Kai said, of playing those City are so synonymous with short passing and incisive passing. But those long balls out from the back, Laporte and Stones kind of going into to Matip and Van Dyke kind of mode as it were and, and pinging mm. the ball forward to the wide forwards as such like we see to, to Sadio Mane week in, week out. And it was a real effective tactic that certainly for Gabriel Jesus really worked. Yeah, I don't necessarily think that that's Guardiola paying Liverpool a compliment. I think that's just a kind of tactical tweak that he thinks can can work against Liverpool. And um, it did, to, to be fair, didn't it? You know, City... Look at the Sterling chance early on. That came from was it Bernardo Silva putting in Walker down the side. Oh no, that was a different chance. That was one where Van Dijk had to clear inside the six-yard box. But there was one very early on, wasn't it? Sterling should have taken. Um, it, it's possibly a blueprint for other coaches to look at actually in terms of how they actually get at this Liverpool team because before um, before Sunday, Liverpool's defensive record 
was superb, wasn't it? I can't remember the exact stats off the top of my head now, but I know they haven't conceded too many since that game against Chelsea at the turn of the year, and that was a, a defence that was kind of patched up a little bit, wasn't it? No Allison, no Andy Robertson. I think Canate played instead of Matt that day. Um, so it's it's something that City might try and replicate at Wembley on, on Saturday. Obviously, bigger pitch, wider pitch. Um, but Liverpool will have to... Um, come up with something themselves. I, I think, actually, what was quite surprising was um, <clears throat> Liverpool looked as though they could have scored more, particularly in the first half. They, as Dan says, they pretty much scored with the first attack of the game, the new first meaningful forage forward. They've ended up equalising. And then Jota had that chance, which almost came out of nothing, really, when it was at Laporte who got back and it was a superb challenge. But if he might have a bit more decisive there he could have got a shot off a bit earlier it was the, the weird incident with Edison wasn't it where it nearly kind of rolled over the line um so for all the for all the kind of particularly in the first half for all the you know wouldn't say criticism maybe just kind of critiques um Liverpool still were in that game to a large extent and I, I kind of see why Guardiola caused them the pain in the backside because City were far and away the, the better team in the first half and for maybe the last 15, 20 minutes of the second half as well. They've led by seemingly unassailable amounts at various points in the season and yet Liverpool are still there, hanging on, clinging in. Still got to keep City honest for the remainder of the season. You can't take that out of anything in the Premier League and you know it's no surprise that they get on Guardiola's wick because they just don't seem to be able to um, shake them off. So... Um, as I say, just for Liverpool to be in this position for the next seven games is is enough at the moment, and, and they'll they'll carry on. They've still got some tough games to come. Haven't they? Tottenham at home, I think, is the is the big one that I'm particularly worried about with their ability to counter attack and Liverpool's high line that might just play into Conte's hands a little bit. Um, City and uh, Everton and United as well to come. You know, historic games where the uh, teams come to Anfield might just give a little bit extra five percent. But um yeah, I think just to just to be in this position and, and heading into mid April is just something that supporters have, have got to, you know, keep the enthusiasm up and, and, and remain excited and, and just see what happens because um you know if they do fall short in the Premier League they've still got we'll see what happens won't we on Saturday in the FA Cup and, and the Champions League you'd expect Liverpool to, to do the business on Wednesday night and move into the semi final. So Still loads to play for, and it's just going to be um, fascinating to watch it all unfold, I think. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I suppose it just underlines the nature of this Liverpool side, doesn't it? That don't always have to play at their best. I suppose typified by Diogo Jota himself, that don't always have to play their best, but do seem to just, just carry a goal at all times, including kind of within 50 seconds of the restart of the second half as well. That pass from Mohamed Salah, albeit not scoring, was absolutely sublime to set through Sadio Mane. But at times it looked as though City were beginning to get on top more and more and more. But when Liverpool go forward, you know quite often what the end result is. Yeah, I think that's a, it's a really good point about Diogo Jota. Um, he, he does epitomise that, really. I've seen some ridiculous things going around on Twitter, little compilations of his his terrible performance and he needs to be benched and sold and all these ridiculous things, despite scoring at the Etihad. And, you know, he's, he's, he's the second top scorer in the Premier League. And I think he's, he's very much taken for granted. I think um, 
Luis Diaz has come in and he's the shiny new skillful winger and, and everyone wants to see him play every game. But, um, you know, Jota can, can have a maybe a, a less impactful performance and maybe doesn't look so so pleasing on the eye as maybe Firmino or, or Diaz can, but he pops up with these goals in, in crucial games. And um, Sadio Mane has as well. He's scored twice against City this season and popped up with big goals against uh, Benfica and, and you know, many big goals in the Champions League this season as well. So I think um, all, of, all of Liverpool's forward line are, are able to do that. And, you know, the old adage is that the, the sign of champions is you can win games and get results when you're not playing well, and that's exactly what this Liverpool side are doing and, and what they've they've learned to do in the last couple of years under Klopp. I think the season they won the league, they very much strolled to, you know, they, they it was a, a real canter to the league in the end. City fell away, and, and Liverpool were on that incredible winning streak before before COVID hit, and they won pretty much every game they played. And at that that season, me and Gorsty were going to every game and. We'd come away saying we weren't even really. It could be nil nil in the 86th minute, and you're still fully expecting a Liverpool win because that's just what they were doing that season. And and this year they're they're more grinding the results out. They're maybe not putting the three four nils away that we did see earlier in the start of the season when they were the games seemed to be a little bit more end to end and they were scoring a lot of goals but maybe conceding the other the other end of the pitch. But really since. There's that little blip at Christmas where they, if, if they don't win a league, I think that will be the reason why. You look at the draws against Brighton, the defeat to Leicester, it won't be because they drew it, the Etihad, it'll be because of those results around Christmas when if you literally get to 14 points, you know, the fact that they're right back in it now is incredible testament to what they've done since. But you shouldn't, if you're in, if you're in that position, you're never really expecting to be back in it. So um, I think those results around Christmas will be will be why they don't win it if that is the case. But um, no, they, they've really developed that that old kind of Manchester United mentality under Ferguson, just grinding the results out, and, and that's what champions do. Yeah, I'll have to wait and see how it does play out. Want to pick up on the point Gorsley made before the day in terms of kind of the, the fixtureless, but equally uh, countering the point I said about Guardiola and the, a compliment maybe that was paid to to Liverpool in the fact that actually. Did it expose that defensive line? I know you said before it was calculated risk, but is it one of those actually that the take home from this might be other sides look at that way in which City were able to get at Liverpool and that may cause kind of reason for concern even moving forward now? I think other sides will certainly look at it, but I don't necessarily believe it it raises any significant cause for concern because this isn't a new tactic Liverpool have suddenly been doing with the high line and the fullbacks pushing on. They've been playing this way for two, three, four years. So anyone that's cared to look and do the analysis would have identified this. Um, teams probably have tried to take advantage mm. of it over the last couple of years, but they've been singularly, by and large, unable to because the tactical discipline within the team is such that when the likes of Trent and Robbo are bombing forward, then the likes of Henderson or Kato or whoever's playing on that side of midfield, they know how to dovetail for each other and, and, and fill in and, you know... <clears throat> One of the people I, I I watched the match a lot of the ways with Blesser, um, tends to get you know terrified every time the opposition gets towards our box. But you know I've you know it's a football match. Both teams are going to create chances for me, and I think this is something we've all touched on before in, in various pods over the last couple of seasons. You know Liverpool and Klopp have committed to a certain way of playing, and. Occasionally, it's going to fall down. Occasionally, it's not going to work. But I think it's safe to say over the last four or five years, it's proven pretty effective and pretty successful. And obviously, if it wasn't for Manchester City in the way they are, Liverpool would have even much more 
trophies and 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 plaudits to show for it. So it's it's I think it's just kind of one of those kind of things you you've got to take on the shin against most opposition. Um, Liverpool will always score more you know more than they concede, and that and that's why they've been competing for the top honours. Um, consistently over the over the last two or three seasons. Um so I, I you know I, I don't it it is it is possible I, you know we all we know obviously that all football clubs, particularly Liverpool, play a great deal of storing analysis and data and you know doing their homework on what they've seen, not just you know after games but even during games. So obviously bearing in mind we play City again in another big match in the semi-final on Saturday. I would imagine that there'll be various there'll be there'll be various brains at work over the course of the week to kind of basically to make sure that the first half on Sunday is not repeated on Saturday. I don't think there'll be any major problems with what happened after half time, but obviously what happened before half time was a problem. And, and on a different day and with more clinical finishing from City, they could have been two or three goals clear and it would be all over. So bearing in mind, obviously Saturday's a cut tie and there you know there are no get out of jail cards. It, you know, it, 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 I would imagine the analysis will inform the tactics and the team for that. But I would be surprised if there's any significant alteration because ultimately this is how Liverpool have played for three or four years. And ultimately, I think it's what we as supporters want to see. You know, we've said, there's a, the, a, the culture of the modern manager now is for progressive, expansive football. We're not in the Mourinho, Benitez, Hule, conservative defensive era. So for me, it's a price to pay that, all right, we might concede a few goals. We might have a few hair-raising moments. But firstly, week after week, we get, we go to watch football and are royally entertained. And B, it's proven successful. Do you know what I mean? If, whoever you might think are better out of Liverpool City at the moment, they're the best two teams in the world. So something's working. So I I'm, I certainly don't wouldn't advocate any kind of drastic change in approach. Possibly just a few minor tweaks here and there to hopefully eradicate the problems that we saw before the break on, on Sunday at the Etihad. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, Gorsley, what about then looking forward? And I think seven of the, sorry, three of the remaining seven games, unless I'm to be corrected, City's game against Wolves hasn't quite been rearranged yet. But of those that, that definitely have three of Liverpool's seven Premier League games full before Man City play, how key do you think that, that could be of, of ramping up the pressure? Yeah, well, it won't hurt, will it? I mean, I think Liverpool spent far too long around the December time playing after City. So it was always just about maintaining, you know, staying on the coattails and just about doing enough just to make sure that you can play again next week and, and you can you can do the same. So um, it won't hurt Liverpool to go first and just put a little bit of pressure back on City. And we might be talking about Liverpool going top of the Premier League for an hour or two, you know, Every weekend might meet before City inevitably win and regain that uh, advantage. But, yeah, I, I, I think it's not a huge thing, but I think you'd rather play first knowing that, um, you know, City haven't played earlier in the day and you've got to do the business to make sure that everything's still on the line. I think it's much easier to know that if you win, you go top and, and you, you pile the pressure back on to them for however long it is, a day, you know, a couple of hours, whatever it is. Um, but there's no doubt that Liverpool's running a lot tougher. Um, as I say, Tottenham, United, even Everton to an extent. As disastrous a season has been the other side of Stanley Park, they always try and put in a little bit more when they come to Anfield, won't they? But um, yeah, like I say, you know, you never expect City to, to drop points anyway, so it doesn't really matter 
in a weird way who they're playing. You've just got to hope that <clears throat> someone at some point puts in a hell of a shift and does enough, um, whether that's Newcastle or Wolves or whoever it is they've got to play. I'm not too sure who the remainder of the fixtures are. I did see it last night, but um can't remember off the top of my head. I do remember thinking Liverpool's is a lot tougher. Uh, I know they've got to play Aston Villa haven't either last day of the season and there's a... Um, they played that great game in Brighton who picked up a really good win at the, the weekend. They played Watford yeah. um, and, and West Ham as well away from home. Well, West, West Ham's probably the big one, isn't it? You know, they're, they're having a great season and um, West Ham... Um, oh, West Ham went out against City earlier in the season. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. No, they drew in the EFL Cup and knocked them out of that. I was yeah. going to say, the mad thing that's that's been with Man City this season is every team they've dropped points against in the first round of fixtures is who they've since dropped points against. And they, yeah. they've kind of mirrored the result, apart from at Palace, where they lost at home and, mm. and drew away from home. So aside from that, Dan's nodding along. It kind of is risky ground, isn't it? Because they won all of the corresponding games they've still got to play in the first round of fixtures. And as I say, so far this season, it's... It's kind of all married up a bit, but we'll have to wait and see if that does does play. Dan, I'll, I'll bring you in there. You're on mute, Dan. Yes, I, I I I saw a similar graphic on the way home. Yes, they're basically pointing out the fact that City have only dropped points in eight games against four opposition. Four teams. Um, but, but both fixtures, which some people kind of talk as a negative, basically saying, well, all the teams are likely to drop points who they've already played again. But I, I looked at it from a slightly different perspective along the lines of, well, you know, I think so. Well, two, two of them are Tottenham and Liverpool, who are obviously two of the better teams in the league. But the other two are Crystal Palace and Southampton, with which, with respect to both those teams, um, are teams that you, you would not expect to, to City to drop points to. And looking at the rest of their fixture list, apart from Watford, who seem to be gone, the likes of Newcastle, Villa, West Ham, Leeds, Brighton. I think they they kind of fall into the same category as Southampton and Palace. So yeah, of course City are favourites to win it. Do you know what I mean? And this will be what the fourth league in five years, fifth and sixth. You know, they, they, they're an outstanding team that are used to dominating, but they have already shown this season that they are capable of slip ups and games when you would least expect. And as I've been banging on about all season, we're now getting to the start the time of the year when the Champions League becomes a factor again. And there is enormous pressure on them as a club, as a manager, as a, as a squad, to win that, you know, to, to, to deliver. That's what all the money's been spent for. That's what all these managers and players have been brought in for. And I, you know, I'm maybe I'm maybe I'm clutching at straws. You know, I've, I've been going on about it all season when they've had this league. But we are now getting to the business end. And as Guardiola, you know, as I've seen quotes from him this morning, basically saying the 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 real value of Liverpool's results yesterday is the fact that they know they have to win every single match. One slip could mean they don't win the league. So there's still that jeopardy there for them. I agree with Gorsley. You know, on paper, our fixtures you know, do look a bit tougher. But I just think you get to this stage of the season with the stakes so high for both these outstanding teams, there's no easy games. And all it takes is one moment of magic, one crazy error, one, you know, like I was just saying before about Edison's incredibly calm, relaxed, taking an extra beat, Almost letting the ball go half over the line before, but oh, one tiny misjudgment like that could change everything, and that's what Liverpool have to just keep believing in. Just to, to jump in on Dan's point there as well, with regards to 
the teams that City have, have dropped points against. I think I saw a stat maybe two or three weeks ago now, so things may have skewed slightly since. But at the time, City were top of the head-to-head league of the top sides, if you like, the kind of top four or five. But they were actually bottom of the league, head-to-head league, of that next bracket of teams. So the kind of mm. fifth to sixth down to ninth, tenth, they were bottom of that head-to-head head league. So all the, the draws and drop points that they've had have been against those kind of teams that next bracket down and and as Dan says they've still got Wolves and, and Villa and that that kind of team um left to play so whereas as Liverpool have got the the maybe bigger teams on paper um City are, are coming up against some of the sides that so far this season they've certainly struggled against and and two of Liverpool's tougher games are, are Man United and, and Everton which as Gorsi said traditionally are, are massive games and you know, ones that you kind of look for on, on day one when the fixtures come out. But Gary Neville made the point on Sky Sports yesterday. This is a Man United team that's, what are they, seventh at the moment? Uh, uh, no way, nowhere near you know, the force they were. going. You'd have to go back a few years now to to get to the, the kind of scale of Liverpool-Man United of old. I don't think it's going to be that that kind of game. And, and Everton, you know, their, their season's been well documented. They're just looking like you know, they, they might stay up now, four points above relegation, kind of head above water. But if uh, if you play the, you know, play the the game on the day rather than the team and the, the fixture, as you know, Klopp does. We've seen over the years he's been at Liverpool. He's really played down the the, the pre-match press conferences when he's coming up to to Everton. He said before, well, it's just it's just second against twelfth. It's not this big Merseyside derby that. We like to build it up as for him, it's just another game. And I've got no doubt that that will be his approach going into those two big games as well. Yeah, no, definitely. I think also you look at City's fixture list they're running. I mean, West Ham, depending on how they go in the Europa League, every man in that squad will be wanting to play in what could be a Europa League final for them if they continue to go strongly in Europe. Aston Villa, of course, we know what Steven Gerrard's going to want to do to uh, help Liverpool's title ambitions in, in any which way he can as well. I mean, it was the great Johan Cruyff who said football's a game of the fewest errors, didn't he? And it feels as though these head-to-heads against City are certainly that, but also the title race will be determined very similarly. So we will have to wait and see how it plays out. But Gorsty, on to, to Benfica, obviously leading 3-1 from the last leg, uh, last week out in in Lisbon against the uh, the Portuguese side. I mean, effectively, the job's done. It's just about seeing it through now, isn't it? It is, yeah. Um, I thought Benfica had that kind of um, big level out of the the atmosphere, didn't they? Um, as Liverpool have used to their advantage when they've been the underdog in recent, you know, well, gone back fifteen years or so to the kind of Chelsea Liverpool era. Um, but Liverpool handled that superbly. I thought it was very very loud. The stadio delusion and the, the home fans, particularly when Darwin Nunes scored to make it two uh, one. They were very, very loud. <clears throat> but I thought Liverpool for 75, 80 minutes of that game handled it superbly. They were the superior side and didn't let the uh, atmosphere or anything else kind of knock them out of the stride. Um, except for kind of a slight miscue from um, from Ibrahim Akanate, who was otherwise excellent. So, the, you know, 3-1 at Anfield, I don't envision too many problems on the night. The key question, I suppose, is whether Klopp rests key names or whether he thinks try and get the tie done as early as possible and then make full use of those five subs. I suppose that's the big thing he's got to wrestle with. But I think if he played um, 
a team that was being more akin to a you know a domestic cup tie. I still think Liverpool will have more enough to um, to get by Benfica and make sure that they are in the semi final. So um, yeah, it uh, went really well in in Lisbon. And on the flip side of that, um, City have got to go to Atletico Madrid. Who you know whether City are going to win, lose or draw that game, and I still expect them to to come through it. You know, it's not going to be easy. Whatever happens, they're not going to go there and, and win four nil and, and be comfortable. It's going to be a, a scrap and a battle and a tense one. And ultimately, that could perhaps be a key deciding factor for for the FA Cup semi final on on Saturday. And I'm sure we'll talk about that in, in Friday's pod. But um, that's worked out quite well for Liverpool, and um, I expect them to um, to go through fairly comfortably uh, on Wednesday night into a third. European Cup final of Jürgen Klopp's reign. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Kai, yourself, in terms of looking at the title race, Premier League title race, and you said they're getting a point at the Etihad, then it's game on, it's, it's still all to play for. I mean, now we've got, what, nine, ten days of the Premier League kind of taking a back seat. And these next two games, crucially, are ones in which Jürgen Klopp can, can change half the outfield team as well, it feels as though whilst again it's another huge week and the stakes just just rise even more, it kind of feels as though it's come out a good time off the back of that City game to have this week of the, these cup games before then going again in the midweek. Yeah, and this is the the good thing about this time of the season when when you do go deep into all competitions, you've got the the variety. You know, one day you're playing a, a title decider at the Etihad, and then three days later you're a, a second leg of a, a Champions League quarter final end of the week you're in an FA Cup semi-final so it's you know lots of opportunities for for all the squad Liverpool have got probably the the greatest squad that they've had certainly in my lifetime and you know in this Klopp reign you know everything that they've done in his time here so far they've really only had possibly an 11 maybe one or two off the bench I think this is the first time they've had a squad where any of the front five you can interchange without much of a, a drop in quality at all and you know, numerous midfield options and that that kind of goes all through the team really um it's going to be a, a great chance i think the the certainly the second leg against benfica for some of these players i know we'll, we'll come on to the team but you've you've got people like minamino Rigi now who obviously their futures are uncertain in the summer but they're not even making the bench for for some of these big premier league games and that they are better than that they warrant a, a you know decent they could easily move to a, a a really good Premier League team and, and be kind of in and around the squad. We've seen Divock Origi linked with the likes of AC Milan, who are, you know, Champions League team. So for them not to be making the bench, um, this this is going to be their opportunity to, whether they come in from the start, I think you might be looking at maybe one of them coming in and then the likes of Oxlade Chamberlain, Naby Keita, we've still got Curtis Jones, Harvey Elliott, all these great players who, who aren't really getting a look in at all at the moment. Um, I think, yeah, it's time to, to ring the changes for, for Benfica. And then Saturday, I think it will be more more into uh, the sort of 11 that we saw play at the Etihad, almost a, a full full strength team. Yeah, definitely, Dan. It feels as though it is that stage of the season where, where legends are born. I mean, obviously, we only have to go back a few years for, for Divock Origi and what he did in the, the semi-finals of the Champions League away at Newcastle and obviously in the final as well. But it is that kind of time, isn't it, where those in the squad who sometimes aren't always the most fancied come to the fore. Absolutely. And, and someone who actually came into my mind, just that idle thoughts over the last couple of days, actually really for watching some of the previous big matches we've had against City in recent 
recent years was Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, who's had, you know, such a frustrating hit and miss time at Liverpool with rotten luck, really, with, you know, injuries coming at such an inopportune moments for him. Like you say, these business, these crucial final business ends of season, often, if you look through history, there's, ve- there's, there's quite frequently so, uh, some unexpected character who pops up with a, a crucial goal, a crucial assist here and there. And, you know, it, it would, I think, a, a, you know, a lot of people have discussed that, you know, this could end up being his, his final season. Anfield, I think he's out of contract end of next year, but he's obviously been at the club four or five yeah. years and has yet to really cement a regular place in the side for himself. But it, it, everything we've always heard is he's a very popular, well, well-liked. And, and even this season, he's popped up with some important goals, important moments this season. Big goal at Crystal Palace early in January, I seem to remember. Um, a great, a great ball in for Mane, I think, in the home win over over Brighton. And, I, you know, as Kai said, with the games coming thick and fast, I mean, at the moment, touch was, Liverpool got basically a clean, pill, a clean bill of health. But that's unlikely to remain the case, I would suggest, over the next five to six weeks. Inevitably, injuries will be picked up. And also, there's the vagaries of form. I mean, um, you know, I, 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 I agree with Kai. I, I think... We we won't see an FA Cup team on Wednesday, but Klopp will Klopp will certainly utilise the squad as as well he should because not just in in, in terms of injuries, you, the entire Klopp era has been exemplified by big performances, big moments happening from clever use of the bench during matches. And Klopp wants to make sure that whoever he wants to turn to with seventy five, eighty five, who knows it could be one hundred and five minutes gone on if, if we go to extra time at Wembley on Sunday, which you have to say at this moment seems highly likely. You want to make sure that whoever he turns to off the bench has some modicum of form, some modicum of fitness, some some minutes in the legs um, to do it. But um, yeah, I, I would, you know, whatever his future is at Liverpool, I, I'd love to see Loxley Chamberlain, you know, just show what, what he's capable of and maybe kind of have a little bit of redemption from some of the near misses he's had earlier in his Liverpool career. And I think we've all said there's just this feeling in our bones Dave Okarigi, if he is off to AC Milan in the summer or not, surely he's got one big moment left in him. And, you know, no one would be surprised if he pulled yet another rabbit out of the hat. Yeah, and no, I saw that doing the rounds on, on social media last week, that when is Divock time? Because it, it does feel as though there is there is still a, a moment. There was one at Wolves, wasn't there, earlier yeah, in the season? Was, but that's yeah. been it this season, yeah. really. So. Yeah. Yeah, no, most definitely. But, but Gorstein, we'll get into to picking our team. But just in terms of how Jurgen Klopp manages this squad, yes, he's got a fully fit squad, but... The logistics of how he, whether it's a Wharton Dowd side that, that takes on Benfica and, and then goes stronger for an FA Cup semi-final, but then straight off the back of that, it's, it's midweek against Manchester United and Everton to come the following weekend. I mean, there really isn't sort of time to, to, to pick and choose where and when you rest players, is there? There isn't, no. And I, I made a similar point last week with, with regards to specifically Mohamed Salah. Uh, obviously, he was a little bit out of form. I thought... Yesterday, he, he played quite well at times and his assist was superb, but he hasn't scored since mid-February, has he? And there's been some talk over whether he could use a little bit of a rest. I think he's played now over 2,000 minutes in 2022, which is unbelievable, really, when you think about it um, for club and country. Um, and I think, with regard to him, I think this is an ideal opportunity for him just to sit this one out and, and rest up and, and you know, safe in the knowledge that... Uh, He'll be starting at Wembley on Saturday. Um, I think potentially someone like Trent as well could benefit from this one and, and maybe even Andy Robertson. Um, still think he, 
you know, he'll go with with Van Dijk at the back and and maybe one of Henderson or Fabinho. But generally, it's a it's a really good chance to um, just to give some rest, get some rest into the legs because. As you say, guy, they haven't really got too many opportunities to do that between now and the end of the season. And you know, it, it, I suppose it's just about making it easier for themselves with a healthy first lead from the you know the first leg in Portugal gives them the opportunity to do that for the for the second leg. And looking around, you know, there's not too many other chances for them to do that because. Um, got... Yeah, I mean, you you said but then it just kind of dropped into my head that the. The Merseyside home derby midweek in the the nineteen twenty mm. season on the way to winning the league. You made what seven six seven changes mm. that night. Now I'm not yeah. saying the no, Merseyside derby this time now, but maybe the United game. You might look at and go, actually, I'll go weaker against Benfica, stronger for the cup semi final. Dan said before, obviously two draws with City this year that could well go to extra time. Might be the United game that the form they're in that looks at and goes. As Kai said before, don't play the name on the on the fixture list. Play the team that's in front of you. Do Liverpool need to be at full strength? Yeah, I, I think they'll definitely do it for Everton because I think you know it, 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 Klopp's never never been interested in in Everton. You know the name and, and the badge and what it all stands for. They are just the team who are whenever they are in the league, whenever Liverpool play them. Um, and at the moment, you look at it and think, and they're hovering around relegation. They've been awful all season, but at home, it's you know set up for the chance to um, to rest and rotate. And, and the good news is now for Liverpool on that front is they've got the squad to be able to do that, haven't they? You know, a couple of years ago, you were looking at it and thinking, well, well, if you try that, you, you you it's a really big risk. But, you know, they've got five going into three in terms of the, the front three, haven't they? And then whatever combination you choose in midfield is, is normally going to be solid enough. And then as long as you're kind of picking one, you, you, to be fair, you can pick any of the four sense of action and you're probably going to get, you know, a, a solid spine to the team. But as long as you're picking one of Van Dijk and or Matip, um, you'd expect Liverpool to, to still be able to to do the business against teams who are further down the league. So, um, yeah, it's, it's just nice to have the options, isn't it? Because injury problems and whatever else, Liverpool haven't always had the um, the chance to do that. But I think the um the winter break was key for that. I think it got uh give Liverpool a chance to get some key men fit. Cater, I think, and Thiago and Harvey Elliott and Diaz joined around that time and, and suddenly you were looking at it thinking, what an incredible squad this is. And I think uh when you're going for everything you're gonna have to use the full remit of it. So I think we'll see plenty of changes in the next week or two across all the games. Yeah, most definitely. Right, let's get into picking our team then for the game with Benfica. Uh, I'm going to say Alisson's going to be in goal. Um, Kai, you can lead us on the back four. What are you thinking? Uh, yeah, agree with <laughs> agree with that with Alisson in goal. Um, I am going to make wholesale changes to the back four, probably barring I leave Matip in because I think Gorsty's point actually it, it hadn't really occurred to me. But if you're going to rest Van Dyke, this is probably the last game in the season <clears throat> where you might be able to do that from here on in. <clears throat> Excuse me, from here on in, you're looking at FA Cup semi finals and you know every game is a final in, in the league essentially. So um, I think this is the last opportunity to maybe rest Van Dyke. So I'll go with Milner at right back, give Trent a rest. I think the same applies to him. And then. Matip and 
No, do you know what? I'll rest Matip as well. I'm going to go Canate and Gomez, centre-back. Gomez had a good game at right-back when he came in. Um, got that great assist for, for Jota last week, but give him a, a run in his preferred position, centre-back with Canate and then Simakas in for Robertson, left-back. Dan, what are you thinking? Are you going to change the full-back four? What about the goalkeeper as well? Um, no, no, certainly wouldn't change the goalkeeper. I would be inclined to definitely give um, Trent and Robber a rest at full-back and Simakas in. I'd be, I'd be maybe more inclined to, to, to have Gomez again at right-back because I, I think potentially he's the next cab off the rank in that position should Trent to get should Trent get an injury and I think it's good for him to be you know get his rhythm there and um yeah two from two from three at centre back I can see the benefit in giving Van Dijk a rest he did look you know I think that was one of the shocking things about the first half yesterday you're, you're so unused to seeing him look flustered like that so maybe yeah, a couple of times as well <laughs> well and, and he showed in the second half when you know he he motored, he motored through the gears and took that one off Sterling like taking candy off a baby that you know he's He's still he's still big Virgil at the back, but um, yeah, at the um, I, I I I I I wouldn't necessarily be inclined to, to, to give him a rest. I I I, I think I think I'd play him and Canati. Um, nice one, I, Yeah, I think I'd do the same. Actually, I think Gomez has kind of nudged ahead of the pack now, hasn't he? In terms of being the other right back, Milner had to go there. Connor Bradley's played there. Nico Williams has gone out on loan, but I think Gomez. Did a, a decent impression of Trent, if we're honest, against Watford recently. So um, I'd put him at right back. I'd have Simakas on the left and I'd bring in Canate and, and I'd keep Van Dijk in there because uh, nine times out of ten, he barely breaks a sweat anyway, does he? So um, I don't think there's going to be too many issues of overusing Van Dijk. So um, that'd be my back five. Right, cool. Dan, midfield three. Well, uh, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd like... I'd give Naby Cater a game. You know, I think I think that we, you know, he, he probably can't have been too far away from getting a start yesterday. He's been in really good form lately. He was outstanding in the first leg. Um, Fabinho didn't have his greatest game at City, did he? You know, he improved a bit second half. He looked a bit off it. And just thinking, then we were talking about Van Dijk, and you know, obviously we've all mentioned about fatigue and all these matches left, you know, left, right, and centre. It's not just physical fatigue; it's mental fatigue. It's the intensity that these lads put themselves under day after day, week after week. The knowing what all these matches mean. So I think it's important that, you know, that's kind of taken into account as well. So I'd probably maybe give Fabinho, Fabinho a rest. Henderson, Cater and Curtis Jones for me. Right, OK. Uh, Gorsley, come, come to you on that midfield three. Yeah, just as Dan was talking, I was, I was weighing it up myself. Um, just to be a little bit contrarian, I'll, I'd put Fabinho in instead of Henderson, but certainly Cater. And I think you can make a case for uh, for Jones as well. Are you in agreement with, with Gorsley or Dan, or are you ripping that up as well? Um, I'm going with Jordan Henderson. He's not had uh, too many 19 minutes, has he, in the last few days. I think he was, uh, came off came off against City and was, was he benched the game before that, uh, Benfica, I think. So, um, yeah. so I think he, he could probably do with a, a start and a, maybe a 90 here. And then, yeah, Naby Keita was brilliant against Benfica and unlucky to be dropped yesterday. So he comes back in. Um, it's a, a choice. You've got so many options there. Harvey Elliott could come in. Oxley Chamberlain, as Dan said earlier, hasn't had many, much game time at all. Um, yeah, I'll go with Curtis Jones as well. I think so. Jones, Jones, Cater, Henderson. Actually, I've changed my mind. I want, Cha- I want Chamberlain instead of Jones. I, him. I can't big him up and then ignore him for this Ben Beatty game, can I? Uh, Dan, it's, it's over to you next. Anyway, you can you can crowbar him into your front three if you want, or is it Divock time? 
Well, I mean, the front three is interesting. You know, I, talking to you, know, chatting on the way down yesterday. And I, I, you know, if if yesterday's front three was picked on form, Mo Salah wouldn't have been in it. And I didn't think he was great at half time, but, but you know, in the first half, but he he showed his metal. He showed what a big game player is. He proved Klopp's decision correct, really, with that sublime assist for for Manny, which obviously was a huge moment in the match. You know, if Liverpool, even if that had stayed two one for ten minutes since the second half, could have been a totally different game. But he's obviously not at his best. Well, he hasn't scored an open play since, what, February, is it? So I'd, de- I'd definitely give Mo a rest, night off, put your feet up, watch Corrie and whatever. Um, Diaz comes back in. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, we're playing a weaker team, but I, I wouldn't go too light up top because obviously the, the key to this is getting the game won and hopefully a couple of early goals will just hopefully enable them to manage the game and manage legs in advance of Saturday. So up front, I'm going Diaz, Mane, who I thought was magnificent yesterday, the best player on the pitch on the you know, a magnificent career he's had for Liverpool, but I think that was one of his best ever performances. His touch, his hold-up play, his strength, his aggression, obviously a superb finish. Um, he seems bang in form, so I'd actually start him, hopefully get, get himself a couple of goals early on and then get wrapped up on the bench. Um, Diaz, Mane and uh, Jota. Okay, Ghosty. See, I'm not, I'm not too sure. I, I, I just think Jota's utterly redundant now if he's not down the middle. Uh, but you can't put Firmino on one of them wide areas either. So uh, I'd have Salah on the bench, but I'm not completely giving them the night off. Just a bit of an insurance policy. Hmm. So up now, I might have to go Mane down the right, Diaz on on the left, and Firmino through the middle. Not ideal for Mane, but um, could Diaz not play on the right though? Because he's been he has been very interchangeable. I know he came in with the hype of being a. An out and out left sided, right footed yeah, player. I mean, I suppose he could, but he hasn't played there once, has he? Since he's yeah. been in the field, at least Manny played there in his first season before Salah signed. Um, so it's not ideal, but I think he's probably the best of um, of the rest outside of uh, obviously Salah playing on the right. Okay, Kai, what about yourself? Yeah, Salah's at home with his feet up, Coronation Book, book Street, uh, book set on. So, book um, Street. Book Street. <laughs> um, I'd have Mane on the bench again, just give him a rest, but there for, for that insurance policy, like at Gorsi says, I think have him, have him in the squad if you need him. Five subs, of course, as well. So lots of, of opportunities to change, even at half time if, if the game's won. Um, so Firmino down the middle, Diaz on the left, and I will bring Minamino in from the cold, I think, just to rest some, some of our legs for this big six weeks we've got coming up. Do you not go with Bobby Firmino, no? Firmino down the middle, yeah. I thought you said Minamino. Minamino, right? Minamino right, Firmino middle, Diaz left. Right, there we go. Right, fair play. We got there in the end, right? What about the uh, the result then? Uh, go Gorsty down, and then Kai, you finish off. I think it might just be a nice and routine 2-0, early goal, and then a second some at some point in the second half. Dan? 3-1 Liverpool. Kai? Repeat the first leg. 2-0 Liverpool. 2-0, right. We'll have to wait and see how it does play out. Of course, there will be plenty of build-up coverage and reaction across the Liverpool Echo website, as too will there be across the Blood Red channel, as well as across our podcast feed, as well with the post-game podcast coming after the game. But for myself, Guy Clark, Kai Delaney, Dan Kay, and Paul Gorse, thanks for your time and your company. It's bye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.